Hey there, future fans! This week, don't tell mom the babysitter's a firefighter, we meet the mother of elves, and we have an appointment with a narcoleptic PhD. It's the week of November 8th, 2019, and this is episode 155 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome back to the show it has been a week we have survived another california power outage but unlike the first one there was actually high winds this time a tree just a little ways down the road from us fell into the power line which luckily it was off the first time the power outages went around and i had to miss an episode because well i had no power there was no wind it was the worst kite flying weather but this time there was actually a reason well two reasons in fact the first is that there were high winds and the second is that pg and e is a morally bankrupt company run by morons but we are back we are back with a- another show and it's a it's a good week for movies there's only three movies in the limited section Wait, one, two, I can't count. There are four movies in the limited section. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve in the wide releases and interesting indies. And so so this isn't a two-hour episode. I'm going to breeze through some of those movies in the wide releases section and just focus my talk, if I have a lot to say, that is, on the last few. So you know what? Let us just move right along and start with the introduction. What is this show? Well, you have found Future Flicks with Billiam. This is a movie podcast released almost every week. And what do I talk about exactly? Well, I talk about all of the movies coming out during the week. Everything that I can find out about that my sources, the various websites I use, can tell me definitively are coming out. Everything from huge blockbusters, big studio pictures, to the smallest of indie films. But I do some other things on the show, too. We talk about news. That's any new news that has caught my eye since the last episode. Any new trailers that have caught my eye since the last episode. And then, with the movies, we break them up into two categories. The first is the limited release section. Those are any movies that are getting a limited release but also did nothing to catch my eye. It doesn't necessarily mean they're bad. It just means that the trailer did a piss-poor job of selling the movie to me. We then go into the wide releases and interesting indies, which are, you guess it, any indies that caught my eye, and every wide release, no matter how good or bad it may look. In all of these sections, I will tell you what the movie is, who's in it, and what it's about, and that's where it stops for the limiteds. With the wide releases, I will tell you my thoughts on it and then give it a score, which I call the Billiams Interest Level Score. Which can go anywhere from a zero for those terrible movies to an 11 for those movies that make me so, so excited I can barely sit still. We then wrap it all up with a question of the week and then I send you along your way to listen to the other great shows in this somewhat nerdy podcast network. Well, without further ado, let us step into the first segment, which as always is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. Uh, I want to start with a funny story. A gay teen claims that Netflix outed him to his dad. This comes from us from the WashingtonBlade.com. Apparently, this 15-year-old was sitting down with his father to watch something on the Netflix. They used the kid's account, and the father noticed, wow, there's a lot of gay stuff on here. And because it seems like that it all worked out that, you know, the father isn't some raging homophobe, I can make this joke. Sucks, bro. Sorry Netflix outed you. Uh, you may have seen a lot of stories recently about Marvel's Falcon and Winter Soldier shares a first sneak peek. And it's not really a sneak peek. It's just a picture of Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan on set. Like, ooh, big f***ing deal. And I think the bigger movies are, the more we're going to see sh like that. Like, oh, first look at the movie, and it's just a set photo. Like, that 
no one gives a shit. I say knowing full well that there's a reason that these websites produce these stories is because people actually consume them. There are two bits of sad news. First of all, we lost actor John Witherspoon, who's known for films like Friday at the age of 77, and Bernard Slade, creator of The Partridge Family, died. He was 89. In news from Entertainment Weekly, Evan Rachel Wood is my new hero because she thinks that the Academy should overhaul Oscar campaigning to get rid of big money. God bless you. You are doing the Lord's work. For more on my feelings of the Oscars, stay tuned for the next Oscars where I will bitch about it profusely. In news from IndieWire, Naomi Harris says that Bond producer Barbara Broccoli and, well, other producers whose names aren't as memorable as Barbara Broccoli have shot down the idea for a Moneypenny spin-off movie. And thank God, I can see why there is this push. Moneypenny is a woman, and in this new Bond canon, she is black. So we would have a woman of color getting her own spy series. But I think they could do that with an original character. It's just like when Michelle Yeoh and Halle Berry, there were rumors of them getting a spinoff from their various Bond women because their Bond women were kick-ass and awesome. Look what they did with Peppermint. She was badass as f***. Just make a new character. You already changed Money Penny up by making her a former agent. And whatever, I was okay with that because I liked it. Now, if you do a whole series of movies, or at least one, with her being the star, it's like, but but it's Money Penny. Money Penny is a key part of the Bond universe, but a glorified assistant. That that's really it. In news from Flickering Myth, Halloween Kills, the terribly named sequel to 2018's Halloween, has wrapped filming. Pictures have been released that is a basically a new look at Tommy Doyle, though all grown up. Instead of having Paul Rudd reprise his role as Tommy Doyle, this time they got Anthony Michael Hall, who's, um, he's not Paul Rudd, but goddamn do I like him. This new movie is, has all the same people behind it. It is written by the same people, directed by the same director. Hopefully the terrible name is the only thing that sucks about it. In awesome news from IndieWire, Jason Momoa won't stop fighting for the Snyder Cut of Justice League because he believes the public needs to see it. The Snyder Cut famously is a much better and well put together movie where the edited version of the Justice League is a fun but messy film. This next story from Fatherly. Okay, that's a weird place. Anyway, this next story from Fatherly has a Avengers Endgame spoiler in it. So if you haven't seen Avengers Endgame, I want you to do two things. First, tell me the f*** is wrong with you. And two, if you don't want to get a spoiler, skip forward like 30 seconds, a minute, whatever. I'm not going to time it for you. You should have seen this by now. So Avengers Endgame writers have admitted that they know about the plot hole regarding Thor's hammer. When Captain America picks it up, he's able to summon thunder, even though Odin said in Thor Ragnarok that the hammer isn't the one that brings the lightning, it's Thor that brings the lightning, so why thus was Captain America able to summon the lightning? The writers of Endgame realized their error before they even finished the script, but thought it was too cool and decided to go along with it, even though it was incorrect. In a story from IndieWire, Daniel Craig shuts down a reporter for asking if Phoebe Waller-Bridge was a Bond diversity hire. All right, a little backstory on this. So supposedly, actress and writer Phoebe Waller-Bridge, I think that's how you say it, who is the mind, the, the writer behind Killing Eve and the writer and star of Fleabag, was hired as a writer on the new Bond movie, uh, No Time to Die. In an interview with the Sunday Times, Daniel Craig was asked if she was hired in an effort to make the franchise more inclusive, to which Daniel Craig basically said, go f*** yourself, we hired her because she's great. His actual quote is, I know where you're going, but I don't actually want to have that conversation. I know what you're trying to do, but it's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. She's a f***ing great writer. One of the best English writers around. I said, can we get her on the film? That's where I came from. She's brilliant. I had my eye on her ever since Fleabag, and then I saw Killing Eve, and what she did with that, and just wanted her voice. It's so unique. We are very privileged to have her on board. So good on you, Daniel Craig. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there was no other big news story, so let's just finish it out, finish this section out with a big old, well, no f***ing shit. This coming from Digital Spy, Star Wars actor John Boyega was right. Anakin is a better Jedi than Rey, says Digital Spy readers. 
and any Star Wars fan with common sense. Apparently John Boyega caused a little bit of a stir when he said that Anakin was a better Jedi than Rey, but most people agree with him because, well, Rey was never officially trained. I mean, I'm not really going to count her little bit of training with Luke because Anakin got his training from when he was a little kid like it should be, and he was the one that brought balance to the Force. Of course he's a f***ing better Jedi than Rey. Doesn't mean Rey's not badass still. So thank you, Digital Spy, for making news out of nothing. Well, that is it for the news. Let us take a quick break as we hear word from our friends at the somewhat nerdy radio podcast, and we'll be right back with the trailer trove. Stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, folks, we are back. We are back with everyone's favorite segment, the trailer trove. Avast, and welcome to the trailer trove. All right, folks, the first trailer we have is for a movie coming to Apple TV Plus called The Banker, starring Anthony Mackie and Samuel L. Jackson, as well as Nicholas Holt, Jesse T. Usher, Colomini, and I sure hope this is getting some some theater time, just because how many people really have Apple TV Plus, like, or Apple TV alone? Like, really, how many people? So I hope what Apple does with this is pulls Netflix. They release it in theaters for a bit, and then they put it on their service, because I think if they just keep it on their TV service, they're limiting their their viewership. But let's talk about this movie. Let's stop talking about Apple. This is the story of Bernard Garrett, who is one of the first black bankers in America. It turns out what he did is he used him and his partner used a white guy to pose as one of them to go and buy banks owned by white people to then loan the money out to people of color. Because guess what? In the 60s, it was a little hard for people of color, especially African-Americans, to get money from the bank. But then when it came out what they did, the FBI started investigating them and there was a lawsuit. And my little bit of Google fool right now, I can't figure out how it ended because I found a website called lawjustia.com that explains, that, that has a little write-up on the case and I can't figure out that legalese to save my f***ing life. The only thing I know is that this trailer proves to me that Anthony Mackie is one of the best actors of our time. He looks phenomenal in this. Samuel L. Jackson, as always, is great. And we will see if this ever hits theaters on no on December. Sorry, not November, December 6th. And you know, folks, I realized I never talked about the trailer for Birds of Prey that came out early October. And god damn am I torn. I do think it looks good. I think they have a fantastic cast. And I love me some Ewan McGregor, but that motherfucker is not wearing a black mask in any of the scenes. So how can he fing be black mask if he's not wearing a black fing mask? I really hope the scenes that we've seen in the trailer are the only scenes of him outside of his mask, and the rest of the time we're going to see it. Because look, at the end of the day, it's just a mask, but when it's such a big part of who the character is, it it's kind of a big f*** you to the original content when you're not including it in your movie. It's just like if they're having someone play Batman, and they're not going to put him in the cape and cowl at all. It's like having Dr. Manhattan from The Watchmen in something, and not seeing a gigantic blue dick. It's like having Harley Quinn in a movie and not having her dressed like a Hot Topic reject. Just don't do it. Still, I, I think the movie looks good, I think it's going to be entertaining, but just that one fact of the Black Mask, it, it shows me that, at least on the outside appearance right now, that the people who made it, who made this movie, don't care. Okay, maybe I'm being a little dramatic. Me? Dramatic? No, not at all. Well, let's move on to the next trailer. We have the final trailer for the next Jumanji movie called Jumanji 3 The Next Level, and I need this. I need this in my life so bad. It looks so good. 
the people behind this realized, okay, with, with Jumanji 2, with Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle, they realized what they needed to do to make a good movie. They didn't try to remake the first one. They didn't try to do that again. They made their own thing within the universe and it worked so well. And this one, they it looks like they just took what worked in the first movie, or technically second movie, and just went, okay, more of that shit. And it looks f***ing hilarious. Danny DeVito's character in Dwayne Johnson's body. We have Danny Glover's character in Kevin Hart's body. We have, we have Bethany as a horse. I mean, if you didn't like Jumanji, welcome to the jungle. Don't even consider this one because it's more of the same. But if you liked Jumanji, welcome to the jungle. Check this out when it comes out. And when does it come out? It comes out December 13th. All right, folks, next up, we have a film called Code 8. This stars the Amel Brothers, Stephen and Robbie, and it's about people with powers. And just like I've said many times before, a movie like this shows why people with powers is such a wonderful tool for movies because it can be used in a lot of different ways. This is sci-fi. This is fantasy because of the powers aspect. This is also a, a crime drama because in this world, you have people with powers who are treated like criminals. If you have powers, you are kept under strict watch by the government. You are not treated very well. And this follows one guy, played by Robbie Amell, who has electric powers and he's a day laborer trying to get any work he can. Problem is, not a lot of work for someone like him. One day, this guy comes around, played by Stephen Amell, who hires him. Turns out that they're going to do a couple jobs together. And Connor, played by Robbie Amell, is actually tired of being treated the way he's been treated. He's tired of being treated the way he's been treated. And he's like, you know what? Let's let's do this. I'm going to join you and we're going to do criminal shit because basically f*** the man. This movie doesn't look like something you have to catch in theaters. It looks like something that'd be perfectly enjoyable at home when it comes out December 13th. Next up, we have the new trailer for the new Grudge movie, which makes me wonder, why? Why are we doing this? Why are we seeing another Grudge movie? And also, is it a remake or a reboot? Because it kind of looks like a either a poorly done remake, which we've already seen one poorly done remake of the Grudge. That was the original Grudge. Because if you remember, they took a Japanese movie called Ju-On and turned it into two films which both lacked. The only good thing about it was the inclusion of Sarah Michelle Gellar, and that's really it. This one doesn't have that benefit. This one also has the that stigma with reboots and remakes for movies like this, where you're thinking, why? Why are you doing this? Who asked you to do this? So now it's the job of the studio, of the people that made this film, of the people who are selling this film, to show us why we needed this. Put out an interesting looking trailer, make this look good so you can prove to me why I should give a shit about another remake. But guess what? They didn't do that job. I watched the trailer and it wasn't bad, but it also looks 100% skippable. And instead of watching this movie, right now I'm going to say watch Ju-On instead. Watch the original Japanese version. If you're one of those people who hate movies with subtitles because you're not just hooked on phonics enough, then sure, watch the watch the first two gr American Grudge movies. Just right now, skip this until we see more trailers that show us otherwise. This is set to come out January 3rd because when the f else would you put out a horror movie all right folks next up we have the next trailer and what co also could be the final trailer for knives out this is the ryan johnson whodunit movie with a huge cast with people like chris evans don johnson daniel craig michael shannon jamie lee curtis anna de armas tony collette katherine langford lakeith stanfield christopher Plummer, frank oz and it looks phenomenal and i think this is going to be one of those magical movies one of those brilliantly magical movies where actual human beings like it and critics like it because right now it has a 99 percent on that bag of festering tumors called rotten tomatoes and when a movie looks fun looks enjoyable looks this good and those assholes like it something is going right this movie comes out later this month on the 27th and spoiler alert unless something much much better looking comes out which i can't i can't even begin to imagine what this is going to be the pick of the week and ladies and gentlemen that is the final trailer to talk about this week so as always if i missed some news story you think i should have talked about 
If I missed some trailer you think I should have talked about, let me know and I will talk about it next week. But for now, let us take a break and hear a word from our good friends at the Nerds of the Squared Circle podcast. And we'll be right back with the limited releases and a few of the wide releases in interesting indies. Please stay tuned. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! Yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. All right, everyone, we are back, and let's just jump right into the four limited releases we have, and then just like the last episode, we'll talk about some of the wide releases, then take our break. So let's start with the first limited release movie called Love is Blind or Beautiful Darkness, I'm not actually sure which. This is about a woman with selective perception who cannot see her mother. She is prescribed by her psychiatrist to spend time with a suicidal man that has fallen in love with her, but she can't see him either. This stars Aiden Turner from the Hobbit movies, Benjamin Walker from Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, Matthew Broderick from The Cable Guy, Chloe Sevigny from Big Love, and Shannon Tarbett from two episodes of Killing Eve, who plays the the young woman, the main character. Uh, this could be really good, but it looks so weird that... It feels too try-hard for me to put anywhere else other than this section. Next up, we have an animated movie called Race Time. Frankie Four-Eyes and his team must beat the mysterious and conceited Zack in a sled race with everything on the line. Yeah, sounds like a sack of s***, right? This is an animated movie from Canada and features the voices of Noel Fisher from Shameless. And I am disappointed. I am disappointed pointed because i love me some canadian television canadian television has been upping the ante and has seems to be sweeping america slowly so not by storm but by little raindrops started with trailer park boys then it was letter kenny then it's shameless then it's Shit's creek all these great shows coming out of it and then we get this so nah skip this Next up, we have a film called Primal. A big game hunter for zoos and private collectors has booked passage on a Greek shipping freighter with a fresh haul of exotic and deadly animals from the Amazon, including a rare white jaguar. He shares this boat with a political assassin being extradited to the United States in secret, and two days into the journey, the assassin escapes and releases the captive animals, throwing the ship into chaos. This stars Nicolas Cage from Peggy Sue Got Married, Famke Jensen from Golden Kevin Duran from Legion, LaMonica Garrett from Sons of Anarchy, and today I learned LaMonica is a boy's name, and Michael Imperioli from The Sopranos. This looks like, so, so take snakes on a plane, put it on a boat, replace Samuel L. Jackson with Nicolas Cage. That's what this film is. And it didn't look weird and cool enough to make the cut. It just looks, it looks like a swing and a miss. And finally in the section, a movie called Honey Boy. A young actor's stormy childhood and early adult years as he struggles to reconcile with his father and deal with his mental health. This stars Shia LaBeouf from Fury, Lucas Hedges from Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Noah Jupe from Wonder, Micah Monroe from It Follows, Clifton Collins Jr. from Westworld, and Martin Starr from Silicon Valley. And just like Love is Blind, this could be really, really cool, but it could also be really weird, batch crazy, and not worth your time. And the trailers I've seen did nothing to make me think it'd be anything other than weird and not worth it. And not the good type of weird, you know? And I never explained what I meant by Love is Blind or Beautiful Darkness, I'm not sure which, because on IMDb, it's called Love is Blind. The poster calls this movie Beautiful Darkness. I don't know which one is right. Either way, f*** it. Alright folks, let's jump right into the wide releases and interesting indies. We'll do like five of them and then we'll go into our next break. So let's start with the first movie in the wide releases and interesting indies called Better Days, or, and I'm going to pronounce this terribly, so I'm sorry any Chinese listeners, Xiaonyan Deni. When it's time for the Chinese Gaokao, the entire country comes to a standstill. For nearly 10 million high school students, this two-day national college 
entrance exam will determine where and if they get to study. It's not uncommon for fates of entire families to hinge on the results. Like so many, Nyan has been focused on preparing for the exam at the exclusion of everything else. When a classmate commits suicide, she becomes a target of relentless bullying. Meanwhile, fate brings her together with Bei, a small-time criminal, and the two of them form a pact. This is a movie from China, and it has a lot of potential. I think this looks interesting. And it's definitely going to shine a light on something I never knew about. I'm assuming this big th this big college entrance exam is a real thing because it sounds like a super Asian thing to do. China, Japan, Korea, like getting into school, a good school is a big deal there. And I think this just proves that we need to find some sort of middle ground because in America, we have schools that are underfunded and teachers have to buy the supplies for the classes. Like, we really have this I-don't-care air about America and schools. Whereas some of these Asian countries are the exact opposite. It's such a big deal that people kill themselves. Like this movie, the movie's premise said, it could ruin a family if their kid doesn't get into a good school. It shouldn't be that bad. We need to find some sort of of middle ground between ghetto America and Asia. Somewhere in there is the perfect middle ground. But let's talk about this film. This looks like it has a lot of potential just because we have this character who is going through this really stressful thing and is getting bullied because I guess your friend killing themselves is something to be bullied about and not just bullied like name calling, they're beating the shit out of her. So we have this small time criminal who she kind of connects with who is kind of there, who's kind of going to protect her. So this does look interesting. It looks skippable though, but just something to keep an eye out for if you ever see it streaming. Better Days gets a 5.5 out of 11. Next up, folks, we have the first of two documentaries. This one is called Mr. Toilet, the world's number two man. What do you get when you cross an eccentric self-made man with a load of crap? Jack Sim. This is a documentary about Mr. Toilet, a crusader for global sanitation. Having no place to go isn't just an inconvenience, it's a problem. It's a problem that impacts 2.4 billion people worldwide. 40% of the world has nowhere to go. In India alone, 200,000 children die each year from lack of safe sanitation and women are regularly raped because they have to defecate in public spaces. Now he takes on his biggest challenge when he's asked to secure 6 million toilets for the Clean India Initiative. He must do this with few resources and no help from the government. So why did this movie make it into the wide releases and interesting indie section? I think because it looks like a, okay, first of all, and most importantly, a well done documentary. But not only that, it's a topic I think we need to know more about. This needs to be bigger news that, that so many people, that it's such a big deal, that stuff that you and I take for granted. Last year, the, the house I live in had some issues with the septic tank, so we couldn't use the bathroom here. We had to go to another house to do it, and I thought that was a huge inconvenience, but at least we have some place to go. And it really infuriates me, the more I think about it, that we have countries in 2019 that don't have safe sanitation. India is starting shit in Kashmir, but they can't provide toilets for their whole country. Children in their country are dying, but yes, let's 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 start sh and just cause a buttload of problems. This doesn't seem like it should be a problem, does it? We as humanity should come together. The problem with that is we can't. America can't even get along. We're more divided than ever, and I'm sorry, but both sides are stupid. I'm going to be honest, I do lean more one way than the other, but I do see that both sides are full of a bunch of mouth-breathing morons. And we can't even fully get along, so how can we expect a world to come together and go, oh wait, we have this issue that's easily fixable. Okay, maybe not super easily fixable, but easier than, say, war. Easier than border disputes. 
But no, let's just keep this petty sh** going. I deleted the original rant I went on for this for this movie because uh, it was a little too much. Because I got a little too heated. Because because it blows my mind. This shouldn't be an issue. So I think this this is an important documentary. I think what it's talking about is important. But I also think that it it won't be taken seriously. That being said, let's give this a score. Mr. Toilet, the world's number two man, despite my my belief that this is an important topic, gets a six out of 11. All right, folks, next up, we have another documentary called The Kingmaker. This is a documentary focusing on the controversial political career of Imelda Marcos, the former first lady of the Philippines whose behind-the-scenes influence of her husband Ferdinand's presidency rocketed her to the global political stage. I'll be honest, I know nothing about Philippine politics. I know nothing. I follow American politics, obviously, because I live here and it's important to me. Like, a little bit of UK politics... A little bit, a little bit of Middle Eastern stuff. Whenever I see it on the news, I do tend to pay attention, but just a smidge. So I know nothing about uh, the Philippine Philippine government. So I had no idea this was a person. I had no idea she was such a big deal. And I think this does look interesting. So it's going to be, it's going to be a topic starter. Definitely. You watch this documentary, you'll be more more knowledgeable about this person and then you'll be like hey look how fancy i am i know shit about philippines politics but what got me interested in the trailer is that it looks like it tackles both sides so they follow her around and they get her view on things they see how her life goes and then they also interview other people and their thoughts on her I'm not sure if that's going to be an even, if it's going to be evenly shown both her side of things and the people's side of things. And then again, if it's a people's side of things, which people? Because there are people that support her. So I can't speak to the accuracy or any bias of this documentary, but I can speak to the fact that it does look like an interesting documentary on a topic that I know nothing about. And you know what? I love learning new things. The Kingmaker gets a 6 out of 11. Next up, we have a film from Australia called Danger Close. In August 1966, in a Vietnamese rubber plantation called Long Tan, 108 young and inexperienced Australian and New Zealand soldiers are fighting for their lives against 2,500 North Vietnamese and Viet Cong soldiers. This is an Australian movie starring Travis Fimmel from Vikings, Luke Bracey from The November Man, Nicholas Hamilton from It's Chapter 1 and 2. Not It, that's not plural, it's It, Chapter 1 and 2. Daniel Weber from 11.22.63. Alexander England from Gods of Egypt. And Stephen Peacock from Me Before You. And you know what? Another interesting movie. Just because it's another thing that I know nothing about. I barely know about the Vietnam War. Like, I know what you learn in school. And I know what movies have taught me. But I had no idea there was some huge battle between these Australian and New Zealand soldiers and the Viet Cong. And it looks like a good war movie. And I've said this before, but I think it's important to note that the farther away we get from the Vietnam War, the more willing we are to listen to stories. Because during the time, it was a very polarizing war. I think we all know this. It was a widely unpopular war, but it's been over 50 years since then. So I think that it's time to tell more stories. I really think it is. And this doesn't look bad. It looks like a solid movie. It doesn't look like it's the next Saving Private Ryan or Apocalypse Now or Hacksaw Ridge or something like that. But it looks like it just looks like a fine movie. Something definitely to put on your list just for one day. Maybe you see it one day streaming and you're like, hey, I heard about this movie. That guy Billiam talked about it. Maybe I should give it a try. Maybe you should. But this is in that wonderful middle ground that so many of our movies that we talk about on the show, Lion, where if you see it, you could like it, but if you miss it, I don't think you're missing out. Danger Close looks good, but not good enough to put effort into seeing. Danger Close gets a 6 out of 11. Next up, we have a film called Light from Light. A single mom and part-time paranormal investigators asked to look into the possible haunting at a widower's farmhouse in East Tennessee. This stars Marin Ireland from Sneaky Pete, Jim Gaffigan from Super Troopers, and Josh Wiggins from Max. You know what? I like this idea. I, I really do. It's It, it seems like... It's not going to be really paranormal at all. It doesn't seem like there's actually going to be a ghost. What I think is that this is going to be a straight-up drama that we have this man whose wife died, misses her terribly, 
thinks that he feels a presence, maybe because he really wants to, gets this person who really is into ghost hunting to come to his house. And instead of finding a ghost, she just finds a lonely man, a sad and lonely man, and they connect. And maybe she finds another way of helping him. I am just interested to know at this point is if the single mom part is actually important to the plot or if they just use it as buzzwords. Like, hey, this is about a single mom. Single moms rock. Okay, I'm not saying they don't, but it just seems, it seems sneaky and wrong to put stuff like that in the premise of a movie where it doesn't matter. So as far as I could tell in the trailer, it doesn't matter, but maybe it is a bigger part of it. But what can I tell you that I do know? I do know that this looks like it could be potentially very poignant, potentially very touching, or it could be equal parts boring. I think Jim Gaffigan is a good actor. I, I really do. But can he carry this movie along with Marin Ireland? I'll be honest, I'm not terribly familiar with her. But if if the two of these if these two people can carry this movie, then this might very well be worth a watch. But I think, even though I hate critics, I think this is a movie that we have to wait to see what people say about it. Of course, not Rotten Tomatoes or Metacritics, because f*** those people, but th see what actual people think about it before we see it. That's what I think we should do. Light from Light gets a 6.5 out of 11. Alright folks, next up we have another spooky-seeming movie with a film called Cold Brook. Cold Brook is a story of two ordinary guys in a small town who embark on an extraordinary adventure when they think they find someone who is staying past opening hours at a museum they work at. Turns out it's a spirit of a man that died on a ship years ago and he just wants to go home. This stars William Fickner from Prison Break, Kim Coates from Sons of Anarchy, Robin Rygert from Deadwood, Mary Lynn Rajskub, I think, from 24, Harold Perno from Romeo and Juliet, and Brad Williams Henke from Bright. Okay, so comparing Light from Light and Colebrook, the one thing we know about Colebrook is that, yes, there is a ghost. We know that this is a ghost. So we have these two guys, played by William Fickner and uh, Kim Coates, or well, Cotes? Cotes? Whatever. Whatever his name is. We have these two, two men who work as night janitors at a museum, and when they hang out, they tend to get in trouble because they do goofy sh**. They even end up getting hurt quite a bit because of the stupid sh** they do. And they run into or see this person after hours at the museum and they go, hey, you shouldn't be here. They try to track the person down just to find out, oh, no, it's a ghost. And so now they decide to help this ghost settle settle its unfinished business in a very Casper-like mission. So this this seems like a feel-good comedy where we have two guys who are going around with this ghost, talking to this ghost that no one else can see, so they look insane. So we have those typical jokes that, I mean, it still works. I mean, we know this joke. If you've ever seen a movie where someone talks to a ghost, and it's not a serious film, then we, we are familiar with this type of comedy. But it works. So we have these two guys who are just trying to do the right thing. And I think this is a, a great movie just to put on your list, to, to watch one day. And unlike Danger Close, unlike some of the other movies, I think that this is something you should definitely put on your to-be-watched list. Don't put it on your maybe list. Put it on your must-watch. Because we have some very reliable TV actors in this. I can be sold on almost anything if William Fickner is in it. And everyone else, I like everyone else in this, That they're just, they're just icing on the William Fickner cake. Don't go to the theater to see this because I don't think it's worth it, but definitely check this out at home. Cold Brook gets a 7.5 out of 11. All right, folks, let us take our next break, and then we will come back with the rest of the wide releases and interesting indies. So please stay tuned and hear a word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast who are now back from their break. Stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever interneting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth podcast employ a different approach. 
wall-to-wall filthy fucking language. Go to a grocery store. I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, the f- did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every fucked up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up. How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that. F*** a jelly bean. So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at wympodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, we are back. Let us start with some holiday movies because it's f***ing November. Mother f***ing November. Let's start with Let It Snow. In a small town on Christmas Eve, a snowstorm brings together a group of young people. This stars Isabella Monaire from Instant Family, Odea Rush from Goosebumps, Kiernan Shipka from Mad Men, Joan Cusack from Shameless, Shamik Moore from Dope, Jacob Batalone from Spider-Man Homecoming, Liv Houston from Santa Clarita Diet, and Miles Robbins from the 2018 Halloween. I love the term young people when they use it in a in a premise for a movie or a book because it could mean anything. It could mean an actual child or it could mean kids at the age of a CW show or the actual age of the actor. So anywhere from mid-teens to mid-twenties could be a young person. Hell, if you ask my parents, I'm young and I'm on the wrong side of 30. But you know what? I'm going to tell you the only thing you need to know about this film. This is a Netflix original movie. It's going to be on Netflix. Even though it's coming out now, you could watch this any f***ing time you want. Hell, you could watch it... I don't know. When would be a good time for this? Hmm, let me think. Let me put on my thinking cap. Okay, it's on. A good time for this would be Christmas time. What's coming next month, folks? Christmas time. And what's a great way to get in the holiday spirit? Watch a metric ton of Christmas movies. Oh, there you go. This is on Netflix. This is new. It has an interesting cast. It's based on a book by... Well, actually, it's based on a short story book. And the the biggest author in it is is John Green, author of The Fault in Our Stars, Paper Towns, Looking for Alaska. You know, very popular YA books. And the important thing to remember is that the most forgiving time... the, The most forgiving way to watch a movie forgiving in the sense that if it's bad you can you can forgive it is to watch a holiday movie around that holiday because we're like okay that movie wasn't terrible but christmas is coming it made me a little more excited the hallmark channel is a wonderful wonderful example for this a hallmark channel movie and the word quality i think are on opposite sides of the spectrum but this is more forgivable and more enjoyable around the holidays because guess what ain't nothing better than getting in the holiday spirit so save this movie for that time because it doesn't look great it also doesn't look terrible it looks like a good movie to watch maybe at the beginning of your holiday movie marathon let it snow gets a seven out of eleven All right, folks, next up, we have another Netflix movie, another Netflix Christmas movie called Klaus. A simple act of kindness always sparks another, even in a frozen, faraway place. When Smearnsburg's, Smearns, Smearnsburg's, okay, whatever. When this place's new postman, Jesper, befriends former toy maker Klaus, their gifts melt an age-old feud and deliver a sleigh full of holiday traditions. This is an animated movie hitting select theaters this week and Netflix next week, and it features the voices of Jason Schwartzman, J.K. Simmons, Rashida Jones, and Joan Cusack again. All right, this looks like a better holiday movie than Let It Snow, and it's on Netflix. So all that stuff I talked about with Let It Snow still applies here. I think this looks like a cute animated film that if you have a family is a perfect movie to put on your holiday movie list it's cute and it'll get you in the spirit that's all you need to know for this time of year klaus gets an eight out of 11 well next up we have a film called playing with fire a crew of rugged firefighters meets their match when attempting to rescue three rambunctious kids this stars invisible man john cena from blockers Keegan-Michael Key from Keanu, Judy Greer from the 2018 Halloween, Brianna Hildebrand from Deadpool 1 and 2, Tyler Mayne from X-Men, and John Leguizamo from The Pest. And this is a formula that always works. 
I mean, does it work well? Does it make memorable movies? Maybe not, but it, it makes fun movies. You take some big current star, and John Cena's stock is currently on the rise, and then you have this story of this guy who, you know, you would never call him a guy who would work well with kids, and then you just stick kids with them, and he has to watch over them for some reason. And it's almost like a rite of passage, isn't it, for for big action stars. The Rock did it, Stallone did it, Arnold Schwarzenegger did it. It's a very formulaic, ultimately predictable movie that is family fun. The kind of movie you watch and you enjoy, you, you do like it, but it, it kind of leaves your mind. And then later, you maybe maybe you bought it and it's on your shelf and you see it go, oh yeah, we did like that. Hey, want to watch this again? And you do, and you watch it again and it's fun and enjoyable, but then it kind of slips from your mind again because it doesn't have any staying power. I think the only reason that Arnold's version of this, Kindergarten Cop, I, I think the reason that worked so well and it's still in our heads is because of this love that late Gen Xers, early Gen Yers have of really holding on to these movies from the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel also did one of these movies. And just mentioned that Jackie Chan had one as well. But the, the closest that Chuck Norris came, I think, is that movie Sidekicks from, when was that? 1992 with Jonathan Brandis. But Chuck Norris did do a movie with an animal, so that that's another thing, isn't it? Some action star and an animal. Not even just action star, big actors too. Tom Hanks had Turner and Hooch. When Jim Belushi was really popular, he did his. So now it's John Cena's turn for this very predictable, but like I said, enjoyable seeming movie. And when the next big action star starts to rise, they will do that too. Oh, even Batista has already done one. Um... Oh, what was that one? My Spy? Was that the one where he had that, where he was um helping that little girl because this little girl figured out that, that Batista was a spy. And then so he helps her be cooler or fight bullies or something. And she keeps his secret. Because, you know, a CIA or FBI agent being blackmailed by a child. Yeah, totally. But of course, we don't go to these movies because they're realistic. We go to them because it's it's guaranteed fun. It's guaranteed enjoyability. And that's exactly what Playing With Fire is. It has the bonus of John Cena being a proven comedic actor. Blockers was hilarious. Keegan-Michael Key, always funny. Judy Greer, funny. John Leguizamo, funny. All signs point to this being a reliable movie. Playing With Fire gets a 7.5 out of 11. All right, folks, next up, we have the last Christmas movie of the week, and that film is called Last Christmas. Kate is a young woman subscribed to bad decisions. Her last date with disaster, that of having accepted to work as Santa's elf for a department store. However, she meets Tom there, and her life takes a turn. This stars Amelia Clark from Game of Thrones, Henry Golding from Crazy Rich Asians, Emma Thompson from Saving Mr. Banks, Michelle Yeoh from Tomorrow Never Dies, and Peter Senefinowicz from The Tick. So for those of you who knew Amelia Clark before Daenerys, Daenerys, da Daenerys, da the, the mother of dragons. For those of you who knew Amelia Clark before she became a mother to dragons, you knew her as the woman who played the lovable but awkward main character in a movie, playing opposite some hunky or beautiful man and love blossoms. I mean, there's nothing wrong with those roles. It just seems like very opposite from Daenerys Targaryen. I'm sorry, I thought Game of Thrones was overrated, so I stopped watching season four. Four? Oddly enough, I stopped watching Walking Dead and Game of Thrones around the same time because I'm like, they're okay, but they're just meh. They're just meh shows overall. But I am still an Amelia Clark fan. I actually just looked at her IMDb page and I commented to Anne that I actually don't know why I'm a fan of hers because I haven't seen much she's been in, to which she responded with, she's just a, a nice person. And you could tell just watching interviews with her, you're like, oh, she's really nice. She is Lou from Me Before You. And I commented that she's very good at changing her, everything about her, just the way she holds herself and, and even her facial expressions, even though her, it's all in her eyebrows. She has mad eyebrow game going on. You can easily tell the difference between Lou, uh, Daenerys, Lou, Kira, Sarah Connor. 
Like it, it's they're all super different roles. And you could tell which one she is just by looking at her the way she holds herself. And, you know, the hair color helps, too. But more so than the other Christmas movies coming out this week, this one looks so much better. And I did like the look of the other ones. I think they look good. I think they look like they are reliable and enjoyable. Maybe not great, but fun Christmas movies. But this, I think, is the one that will be maybe one of the biggest of the year. The only other one coming out this year that I think could potentially take it down as best Christmas movie, new Christmas movie of the year would be Noel that's coming out next week with Anna Kendrick and Bill Hader. That movie is going straight to Disney Plus, though. And it's written by Mark Lawrence, who did Miss Congeniality and um, Two Weeks Notice. But we'll talk about that movie next week. Let's go back to last Christmas. Henry Golding is Asian. So yes, we have a main male love interest who is Asian. Yay, it can happen. It does help that he's incredibly handsome and has a voice that I would love to even just read me a phone book. So look at what we have here. We have a movie starring Amelia Clark, who's a not only just a talented actress, but a proven rom-com actress. We have Henry Golding, who is hot shit right now after Crazy Rich Asians came out. This is directed by Paul Feig who you would know from a crap ton of Melissa McCarthy movies like The Heat and Spy. I didn't know this. We have a script that was co-written by Emma Thompson. All signs are pointing to this being a really good Christmas movie and maybe even going on the short list of new favorite movies for people. This would have been the pick of the week if it came out next month. But guess what? We still have f***ing thanks giving and then you can release your goddamn christmas movies instead of before turkey day because remember most movies have about a four week cinema life four to six weeks this is probably only going to get one week in december of showtime that is bullshit that being said i i really hope that the reason they were they pushed this to come out so early is that it will come out on DVD, Blu-ray, streaming before this Christmas, so it can be added to everyone's collection. I think this is the Christmas movie this year. I am really looking forward to Noel. I think Last Christmas is going to be better. It is going to be close, though, because Anna Kendrick and Bill Hader, that is a great combo. Anna Kendrick is hilarious, and Bill Hader is, frankly, amazing. Anne actually brought up a good point, and since I could never ever in my entire life convince her to come on the show, I will just tell you what she said. She said that it also, these two movies appeal to different audiences. Last Christmas is more of an adult movie. Not that there's going to be a ton of nudity and swearing, but just that it, it doesn't feel like it's for kids, where Noel seems like it's a family movie. That being said, let's just wrap this up, and Last Christmas looks like it's going to be good, and I think if you love yourself some Christmas movies, Maybe even catch us in the theater. But when it comes out to own, I think this is a very safe bet to just purchase even without watching it to add to your collection. Last Christmas gets an 8.5 out of 11. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I have had one of the hardest decisions of my future flicks career, and I'm, I'm going to tell you why. It's because there's one movie I want to see above all others this week, but the other movie has one of my man crushes in it, so I'm super torn. So I'm just going to I'm going to stick with my gut and not follow my heart, and I'm going to say that the movie that is not my pick of the week is called Doctor Sleep. Years following the events of The Shining, a now adult Dan Torrance meets a young girl with similar powers to his, and he tries to protect her from a cult known as the True Knot, who prey on children with powers to remain immortal. This stars heartthrob Ewan McGregor from Star Wars Episodes 1 through 3, Rebecca Ferguson from Life, Carl Struyekin, I think, from The Addams Family, he played Lurch, Emily Allen Lind from Revenge, Jacob Tremblay from Wonder, Cliff Curtis from Sunshine, and Bruce Greenwood from Star Trek. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know me. You know that when it comes to actors, you can't get better than Ewan McGregor and Matt Damon. If they ever do a movie together, my heart will explode. And not just because I like pizza a little too much. No, it's because they're they're going to be together and it'd be amazing. But no, this only has you and McGregor. Oh no, only one amazing actor in it. But there are actually a few reasons it, this didn't make it as a pick of the week. And it's not just because I think the next movie looks better. 
It's also because Dr. Sleep is a sequel to The Shining book, not the movie. Okay, technically, yes, the movie too. But if you remember, if you remember hearing about it ever, Stanley Kubrick didn't like the supernatural and uh, spooky elements of The Shining. He hated that shit. He wanted to make it, like, take all of that out, have it all be just Jack Torrance going crazy. Actually, if you want to watch a version of The Shining that's more true to the book, there was a version came out in 1997 starring Steven Weber and Rebecca De Mornay, and that was a three-episode miniseries. That was closer to the book. Still not great, but closer to the book than Stanley Kubrick's movie was. Stanley Kubrick's movie has the benefit of being a Stanley Kubrick movie, so it's great in so many different ways but being true to the source material is not one of those ways so the shining movie had no supernatural elements in it this movie dr sleep is based on all of those supernatural elements that were left out of the movie so i still think this movie is going to be good i still want to see this i'm still going to put it on my to be watched list but i think it would have worked a little better if the original movie had been more true to the book. So that way you could rewatch The Shining to have the scene set better for you for this film. But let's be honest here. This isn't going to matter a whole lot. It's not going to be the biggest deal that it's more of a sequel to the book than the movie. But that's just something I had to keep in mind when I did my pick of the week. The Shining by Stanley Kubrick, an amazingly iconic film in so many ways. And I think it says a lot that he took the source material, tore a bunch of shit out, said f*** you to Stephen King about the supernatural elements, and still made a fantastic film. I think Doctor Sleep is going to be really good, but if you go into it expecting a sequel to The Shining movie, you're going to be disappointed. But if you go into it knowing that it's a Stephen King work, so it's a little weird, if you go into it knowing that the movie, the the part one that we know and love, was unfaithful to the original source material if you go into the movie knowing that i think you'd be better off even if even if a uh, the shining was remade and remade exactly to the book i still think that dr sleep would not have been my pick of the week because the other movie coming out this week i'm a little more excited for i think it looks a little better and also movies based on stephen king works are woefully unreliable recently they've been very good but the the string of good isn't enough for me to be able to put my faith in it. Not yet. If it keeps going, if it keeps staying good, then one day I will put my faith in it again. But for now, I'm just going to tell you that Dr. Sleep gets an 8 out of 11. All right, folks, what is my pick of the week? Maybe you know it. And if you do, say it with me. The pick of the week is called Midway. This is the story of the Battle of Midway told by the leaders and sailors who fought it. This stars Woody Harrelson from Zombieland, Ed Skrine from Deadpool, Patrick Wilson from The Conjuring, Dennis Quaid from Frequency, Luke Evans from Dracula Untold, Mandy Moore from A Walk to Remember, Alexander Ludwig from Vikings, Aaron Eckhart from Thank You for Smoking, Darren Chris from Glee, Nick Jonas from Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, and David Hewlett from Stargate Atlantis. I'm going to say it again, folks. You know me. You know that I love me some World War II movies. You know I love me some movies that tell, tell me a story that I am not very familiar with. I do know about the Battle of Midway. I've known since I studied about World War II in high school. But now I can get this nice little refresher course with a very good and star-studded movie. There are a lot of World War II movies. There really are. And I've, as I've said many times, I think World War II is wonderful for movies because there are so many possible stories to tell. Because look at this. We have, we have the Battle of Midway. We have another story from World War II that when you put it side by side with something like Saving Private Ryan or Hacksaw Ridge, that you can just tell it's different because it was on a different front. This was a battle with the Japanese, not with the Germans. And I get it. Nazis are always the bad guy. They will always be the bad guy. You can always look at a Nazi and go, hey, f*** you, Nazi. You're a Nazi. And with the Japanese, yes, they committed horrendous acts 
during World War II, war crimes, crimes against humanity. But the Japan now is not even a shadow of the Japan from back then. Like, Japan now is nice. Japan now is quaint. Japan now gives us anime and ramen. Japan now gives us kawaii things. Yay, cute. They give us Hello Kitty and Karo 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 Pee. Because look, I said Nazis are always going to be the bad guy, but we can we can separate Nazis from Germans. We can do that, because Germany now is a far cry from Germany then. But Nazis are always going to be their own thing. So it's always going to be easier to tell stories about them and to hate them. But these are also important stories to tell, too. Out of World War II stories, I think the Battle of Midway might be one of the lesser-known ones. We all know about D-Day. We all know about the fighting that went on in Europe. We all know about the occupations in France, about the occupations of Poland. We, we know all of that. And while I still will watch movies about that stuff, this is something new. Something new about a familiar topic that has a good cast that looks well done. It looks well done all around. This is directed by the one and only Roland Emmerich, who brought us movies like Universal Soldier, Stargate, Independence Day, the 1998 Godzilla, which was terrible as a Godzilla film, but fun as just a monster movie, gave us The Patriot, Day After Tomorrow, 2012. It's true that Independence Day resurgence shit the bed terribly, but hey, his, his pedigree speaks volumes about him. The writer, no one big, someone named Wes Took, who was a writer for Colony, who wrote one episode of Jean-Claude Van Johnson. But it also helps that he's an executive producer on this movie too, so he can help, just help with his own vision. But I think all signs about this movie point to it being a success, point to it being at least, at the very, very least, an entertaining film. And a reminder that at one time in this country, we were on the same page. At one time in this country, we weren't at each other's throats. At one time, we could stand together, look at a common enemy and go, yeah, f*** that person. We weren't always this divided. We weren't always as hate-filled. We once did fight for the unquestionable greater good. So why not watch that movie this week? I think it is the pick of the week for a reason. I think it's going to be the best movie, maybe even of the month. We will see. Midway gets a 10 out of 11. All right, my future friends, let us take our final break as we... Hear word from our friends at the We're Doing Fine podcast with Robbie and Lisa, and we'll be back with the question of the week. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're, We're Doing, Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're, we're doing, doing fine. fine. All right, we are back with the question of the week. And if you don't remember, let me repeat the question for you. The question that we asked last week was give me your top five movies for getting in the Halloween spirit. So let's check the only answer we got outside of the family, and I did check SoundCloud and Twitter, so I don't think Critter responded, but I'm sorry, buddy. God knows the next time you answer a question of the week, I'm somehow going to miss it, because that is the luck of the Critter. Well, Brian Q, good old Brian Q answered, and he said, 1. Nosferatu the Vampire. 2. Vampire by Carl Theodore Dreyer. 3. Evil Dead. 4. The Shining, which we just talked about a lot on this show. And I, I still want to iterate that or reiterate that I did like that movie a lot. I really did. But it's important to note that Kubrick's vision and Stephen King's vision were two separate things. And number five, The Haunting from 1963. He added a sixth one because why not? He says The Seventh Seal, not a traditional Halloween movie, but kind of creepy. And yes, it is. And that's a fantastic film each time you bring it up. I remember how much I like it. Our next answer comes from Anne, who says, Halloween, Halloween H2O, Halloween from 2018, and Halloween 4 and 5. I think you see her uh, her theme there, because you got to watch the first Halloween and then the new one, because that's the new canon. Halloween H2O is one of her favorites and one of my favorites as well, though no longer in canon, still a great movie. Halloween 4 and 5 are the Jamie movies, great drinking game. Uh, involved in that so it is time for my answer mine is slightly different from hers but a little the same 
The ones we have in common are Halloween, the original, and Halloween from 2018. The other movies on the list are The Addams Family, Hocus Pocus, and Trick or Treat. She just commented that was very predictable, and you're goddamn right it is predictable because they are great movies for the season. And if any of you are wondering, yes, I'm going to repeat this same question around Christmas, so start thinking. So it is time for the next question of the week, and this one is inspired by Playing With Fire, the John Cena movie where he uh, he has to watch a couple of kids. For this question, I want you to think about a serious non-comedic actor, and you put them in one of these family-friendly, kid-focused comedies. Tell me which actor, and for bonus points, tell me the premise. So once again, take a serious actor to and put them in a family comedy who's the actor and for bonus points tell me the premise well my future friends that is it for episode 155 of future flicks with billiam so here we go with the closing housekeeping you can find me on apple podcasts soundcloud spotify stitcher and google play as well as any podcast app you can also find me on the somewhat nerdy website to that somewhat nerdy.com I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. All the stars possible. And then share the podcast with your friends. That is how we grow. And how do you reach me? That's a great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Please support us on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle podcasts, which are also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Support the friends of the shows whose ads you've heard during this episode. And don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy website for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.